Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sports Travel Podcast, where we interview leaders from throughout the sports event industry. This is Matt Traub, Managing Editor of Sports Travel, and our guest today is Terry Hasseltine, Executive Director of the Maryland Sports Commission and President of the Sport and Entertainment Corporation of Maryland. Before we begin, first a word from our sponsor. This episode of the Sports Travel Podcast is being sponsored by the Teams Conference and Expo, the world's largest gathering of sports events organizers and the destinations and suppliers that serve the sports event industry. Teams 23 will be held in the Palm Beaches of Florida from October 2nd through the 5th, 2023. The conference will again feature the co-location of the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic SportsLink program and NGB Best Practices Seminar, as well as the annual symposium of the National Congress of State Games. For more details on everything planned at Teams, please visit teamsconference.com. And now, on to the conversation. The Maryland Cycling Classic, a one-day competition sanctioned by USA Cycling and UCI, the Sports International Federation, is the centerpiece of a full Labor Day weekend of activities throughout the Baltimore region. The event is owned and operated by the Sport and Entertainment Corporation of Maryland, of which Terry Hasseltine is the president. We chatted with Terry recently about getting the event off the ground last year after two previously scheduled attempts were canceled because of the pandemic, what goes into the planning and logistics of the event, if anything has changed from the inaugural year to this year, and what the event could grow to be in the future. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Terry, welcome to the Sports Travel Podcast today. Thanks for having me. The Maryland Cycling Classic. When did this idea first come about? And what was the community response when you brought it to the table? Well, we're going to have to go back a little bit in history. We actually thought about the Maryland Cycling Classic back when I first got here 15 years ago. We thought about doing more of a tour of Maryland concept and then realized that the logistics and the challenge of doing something that during a recession was going to be extremely challenging. So we kept it on the burner as something that was really important to us. And then probably in 18... You know, 17, 18, started getting a lot more inquiries about major cycling events. We were doing the uh, BMX events in, in, in Arundel, Annapolis County. And so we just said, you know what? We did the amateur roads out in Washington County. And while we were out there in Washington County, the U.S. cycling folks came to us and said, you know what? You guys are ripe for a pro event. You guys should really look at it. And so Sean Petty and a few others planted that seed again. And then I reached out to Medalist Sports as well as KOM and said, hey, we're thinking about jumpstarting this thing. You guys want to jump on board because they were part of our original conversation back 15 years ago. And they said, heck yeah, let's get it play. Let's find a chairman. John Kelly from Kelly Benefit stepped up. And next thing you know, we're off to the races, you know, no pun intended there. And then COVID hit. You know, had you ever been involved in a professional cycling race before? Uh, my first go at it, I've been around a lot of amateur events, criteriums and other things. Um, however, through hearing our constituent base and then hearing the movement of, you know, bike trails and the like, you know, when I was in the Commonwealth of Kentucky and then when I came to, to Maryland, realized that, you know, cycling is a you know, up in, it was always, a, it's always been a great sport, but it was up and coming, more people participating, more people getting involved. And it's just something that just stuck with, with me and my team that we need to do something that uses a venue that doesn't need to be built or constructed or creates 24, seven, 365 maintenance. And that's the great thing about cycling, whether it's mountain biking, which we've done out in Frederick County, whether it's the amateur road, you're using things that we use every day to make the venue. And that that adds a level of excitement because you're saying, 
you know, we see cars down this thing all the time. And now you're bringing in cycling and you know, bikes and the like. It's just really, it's cool. And it also ties into the most efficient form of transportation in the world, still the bike and a clean, you know, mode of transportation. So it also helps with some advocacy stuff that we, you know, we see around this state that needs a little bit of push and having an event like this just brings a breadth of awareness to to cycling and how important it is, you know, both for physical activity, but as well as economic draw for us, you know, through the Maryland Cycling Class. You mentioned that this event was scheduled to debut in September 2020. It was postponed to 2021. Finally, you were able to hold the inaugural race last year. Was there a point that you worried it would never come about? Well, I got nervous that trying to keep an organization, the Sport Entertainment Corporation of Maryland, which was a nonprofit that we created in order to support events like this in the Maryland Five Star, and then trying to get through a pandemic and keep the team assembled and keep our contractors assembled and keep talking about the growth and what we wanted to do. There were times where it felt like there's going to be some dark days and that we were going to have to maybe, you know, cut the cord and maybe come back at this at some later date. But I'll give a lot of credit to uh, Chris Ehrenhold and to Steve Brunner for staying with me along with John Kelly as well, our chairman, sticking with us and some of our um, corporate partners that stepped up and stayed with us while we worked through the nuances of, of uh, of the pandemic. Last year, having it come to fruition, I mean, the smiles on my face, the smiles on our partners' faces, the smile on John Kelly's face, we realized that we did the right thing. We stuck to it. We stuck to our guns. And here we are, year two, growing it bigger and better and just looking for what the future is going to be. It's it's ours to determine. And we're just excited about the future. Were there any lessons learned in that gap before you could officially hold the race that proved particularly effective last year, whether in terms of health and safety protocols, crowd management, just event organization overall? Of all that stuff that you just mentioned was critical. What was really, you know, if there was a bright side to COVID, it allowed us to slow down, rethink and reevaluate how we wanted to put certain elements into place. You know, we knew that we had a great, we were proposing a great route. However, we also learned, you know, where some of the, the quote unquote potholes along the way might be. If you go east too far, or you go west too far. Now, last year, and the first year, remember, we had to go up against an Orioles game, which ended up to being a huge pro for us because then the fans let out right before the race hit the city and they all came on converged on the course and we had a great fan fest down in the inner harbor this year there's no ball game but we learned how to work through some of those quirky little nuances of egress and regress you know where we can set up hospitality and have it really effective and really efficient the notes that we took off a of year one that we're implementing in year two were all things that were part of the strategy that we were talking through when we had those off years because of the pandemic so allow us to slow and meticulously look at some of the details so that when we did put on the first one, it was successful. And then going to year two, learning how to add things to the um, portfolio like fan zones, you know, where we're going to activate beyond just Pratt Street. This year, we have Chinese nine-man volleyball happening simultaneously with the event. So we'll have a huge event in the convention center going on simultaneously as well. So downtown Baltimore is going to be a robust sports center. Um, the Labor Day weekend. But the really cool part is the cycling event takes you throughout the greater Baltimore region and it touches so many places where so many people can come in and go and see the beauty of this race. I think the really thing that's spectacular about an event of this magnitude, it's a postcard to the world. 80 plus countries are going to be captured in watching this event. We have five plus hours of live television coverage to our partners at Maryland Public Television being picked up by Tour Tracker, GCN, as well as Eurosport. 
So the growth of awareness of the greater Baltimore region is going to be so pronounced to the global community and the global cycling world. And then you add our great state of Maryland on top of all that stuff and the name and the like. This is going to be a brilliant weekend. You, you mentioned the international broadcast, the international angle, and being able to not just celebrate your region and have people come out and support Baltimore, but being able to showcase that pride into uh, internationally. How much, in 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 some ways, the fact that a cycling race is able to do that compared to perhaps some other sports? Well, I think you've you've seen over our portfolio over the last um, probably five to seven years has taken a, a little further, deeper dive into the international sports world. You know, leading the charge on Baltimore's bid for the World Cup. You know, yes, we didn't win, but hey, the effort showed that Baltimore and the state of Maryland are a can-do, you know, state and city when we do a one-two punch. And then you add on the Maryland Five Star, the Maryland Cycling Classic, the fact that we hosted the Summer Series this year down at FedEx Field with a doubleheader, taking into mind that we're a global destination on the Eastern Seaboard with a great port city. So we know a lot of our business sector conversation starts around the topic of sport. So bringing sport and the business community together allows us to correlate domestically as well as abroad. You mentioned earlier, this is an event that the Sport and Entertainment Corps of Maryland owns and operates. What are the different challenges in running an event that you own compared to others? Well, that's a great question, man. I mean, at the end of the day, the, the time and energy and the bandwidth that it takes up on staff time versus some of the other things that are nice to do's and we like to to have, you know, out there in front of people. But I can tell you right now, it's a pride factor. Our, our staff takes great pride in delivering a world-class event. The nice part about this is the number of people you can bring into your family through contracts and the like to be a part of it. You know, not everybody has to be a full-time staff member. Our volunteer base has grown exponentially. People are starting to learn what the Sport Entertainment Corporation of Maryland does and what we're about. So it's a natural tool of communication, but we get to do it through large-scale events where we get to engage a community that otherwise we wouldn't necessarily get to engage with because, you know, on our government side and the sport commission side, you know, that's where our grant programs reside. That's where our dealing with our state capital and our elected officials resides. It allows a lot more autonomy to be with our stakeholders and to deliver world-class content on behalf of the state through an arm-length arrangement that is the Sport and Entertainment Corporation of Maryland. What are the biggest challenges in organizing a road race like this? Because you're talking about, you mentioned all the things that you're going to be having. It's a Labor Day weekend. You have all these different events, but the race itself, you're closing down streets to make sure that these cyclists are able to have, you know, around the course. How do you get a a go about getting approval to close those streets and working with all the various uh, city and government stakeholders, but then also communicating that to the broader public so that they know. You know, the nice part about a cycling event is, you know, we'll look at Baltimore County first. For example, in Baltimore County, it's a rolling, it's a truly rolling closure because once the race goes by, the roads open back up because they're only going around that environment one time. Out in the county, we have great partners out there. Johnny O's team in the county have been nothing but spectacular. I mean, they've been phenomenal. Great partners from the get-go. Then you come into the city where there are certain aspects of the seven and a half mile loop that's in the city that is rolling. But when you get around the, the inner harbor and Pratt Street in that area, you have to close because that's where your hospitality, that's where your activation zones are. What we do is we encourage people to come downtown, but be prepared. Be prepared that you might have to take an alternate route to get to a parking garage. You might have to take an alternate route and park a little further outside of downtown and walk into the environment. But we do a great job with social media 
Um, we hired a constituent that works directly with the city to make sure that we're hitting all the neighborhoods along the route. So they're informed because what we want the neighborhoods to do, we want them to own part of the race. Activate in your community. Come out, you know, course side, watch the race, cheer them on, host a block party, have fun with your neighbors. You know, that's the great thing about this event is in the city, especially people can be out there for several hours and the race goes by four or five times. You can really activate. We created specialized fan zones this year, but it takes a concerted effort from leadership. The mayor has been right there from the get go. The county exec has been right there from the get go. The state has been engaged from the onset. Obviously, the state was behind helping build and bring this to, to reality. So having the leadership of your government entities and then the agencies that fall under that leadership, making sure that we're all on the same page. And that's where KOM and Medalist have been instrumental in this entire thing, is that getting city on board, Department of Public Works and all that stuff so that we're not coming up to the week of the event going, oh, crud, we forgot to do X, Y, Z. This is a year-long communication effort that just, you know, comes in when with big, huge, you know, Sunday at the end with a big, huge cherry that, you know, gets broadcast locally. And what our goal is, is we'll deal with the stuff behind the scenes, but what everybody else sees, it's going to be spectacular. It's going to be a lot of sweat. It's going to be some blood in there. <laughs> and it's going to be a lot of, you know, commitment of time and energy. But the excitement of what you're about to see and what's coming to Baltimore I mean, you're talking 100 plus thousand people lying in the streets to watch a cycling event. You know, what other sporting events out there can give you this engagement where you can be that close to the action? You mentioned some of the variety of partners that you that you work with in terms of the event management. How did you first get connected to them and want to work with them when it comes to making sure that, like you said, that all the logistics and all the things that you're able to share in those duties? Well, it was um, lessons learned from other activities. You know, obviously being an, an instrument of the Maryland Stadium Authority, having a great public security and public safety division, we knew how to get the doors open and, and get to the right public safety, police, and the and the whole gamut. Because you know, 100 plus days a year, the Camden Yards sports complex is, complex is activated through you know local public safety and federal public safety and the like. So having that tool right here at MSA allowed us to have quick inroads to the city and the county, especially with how this route lays out. But knowing that we had a roadmap on how to communicate with the multiple agencies because it existed for how we handled the Camden Sports and Entertainment Complex, that, that that's critical. That's um, That was a huge door opener and allowed us to move a lot faster than if we had to learn from scratch. The cycling aspect itself, the competition aspect, you know, know, a couple of Tour de France teams coming in and and competing. How do you get connected with those teams? How do you know, how do you spread the word and be able to bring in some top class cyclists from around the world? Yeah, that's uh, I got to give the credit to uh, Kevin Livingston former cyclist himself and with the medalist team, as well as Steve Brunner, having those inroads, hence why we reached out to them to be partners on this event, because we knew that we could pull something of this nature off, but you have to have the right partners and you have to have the right team in place. And we went out and and we wanted to make sure we had the best of the best. And, you know, between medalist sports and KOM, we knew that we could really put something special together. They have done the heavy lifting on the teams. Our job is to make sure that once those athletes hit the ground, they have a world-class experience. Everything from the minute they land at the airport to how they get transported to the headquarter hotel to what their experience is during the three to four days while they're here, 
making sure that the uh, the food meets their their standards and their their needs, and, and making sure that their um, their managers are informed of everything that we want to do. And they realize that in a sport like cycling, that these athletes have to be available. And that's why on um, Saturday night we do the team introduction. So we open to the public event over at Harbor Point, where you know people come out and cheer on and and see their favorite you know athletes. And that's why, you know, with the exception of some of the VIP hospitality stuff that we have to do with sponsors and like, this is open to the public event. This is, you know, not a ticket event. So what other, you know, opportunities can you go see Tour de France, best of the best riders in the world on the streets of Baltimore City and Baltimore County? And it didn't cost you a dime to do. So that's that's the thing, giving back to the community through this opportunity. And that's something I wanted to add into this conversation, Matt. Our legacy of this event is far beyond just hosting the biggest, you know, one day cycling event in in North America. It is making sure that our community is left better because we did it. So we do bike jam on Friday afternoon, open to the public again, riders, athletes, some of our ambassadors, former riders at the world level come out. Last year, Ray Lewis attended and we think he's attending this year. I can't guarantee that yet, but really a great day to celebrate cycling and help the next generation of cyclists you know, have a day to really engage and be active. And we're in the schools, you know, that Friday afternoon with our partner, United Healthcare, giving out bikes and helmets and educational toolkits so that, you know, kids can learn more about the bike and also learn things about the bike, like STEM and other creative activities, using the bike as the tool of learning. We do more than just this brilliant professional cycling race. And then that Saturday morning, we have the Bridge of Hope raising money for a great charity to ensure that families who don't have the resources and tools when they're young children in the hospital fighting whatever battles they might have, they have resources and tools. So it's about giving back as well as creating a profile of excellence for uh, the state and the city and the county. You mentioned that and I was just, that was the next thing I was going to bring up was you have this full schedule of events and what, how, why, why is it important for what is in terms, in just in terms of purely sporting one day sporting event to build in so much shoulder programming? Well, we wanted to cast a wide net. We wanted to ensure that this wasn't a, just a take event. This is a give back event. We also know that we want to grow our portfolio of racing for more days in the future. We obviously have to start, we have to walk before we run and and that whole saying that goes along with that. But we knew that if we created a weekend of opportunity, it's going to give people a reason to come to Baltimore a day early and just see the athletes, you know, on the stage the night before participate in the, the bike jam. And then on Thursday night, we're doing a welcome reception where we're going to be talking about the history of um, black cyclists in the United States and you know, doing this kickoff event you know, here in Baltimore. But we know that for the UCI and for USA Cycling, showing that this is bigger than just that competitive aspect, that we see cycling as a way to grow and engage a community long term. And therefore, you have to build in these ancillary activities for a couple of reasons. One giving your sponsors more place to do some brand activation, get the biggest bang for the dollars that they're spending with us. Two, also to get in front of constituents and the consumer base that they're looking to to activate with, but also to give them a chance to feel connected to the give back, you know, because of the brand value that they're getting being tied to the race. So this is a a partnership, this is a synergy of activities and opportunities that we're putting together to ensure that as we expand the portfolio, we're engaging everybody and we're bringing the swell of this event up together 
and not as individual silos trying to accomplish independent goals because that will never be successful. You've mentioned the growth from last year to this year already. And I know that you've mentioned the potential for growing this event to being maybe a multi-day event, having a women's race as well. How would that process work with the UCI and USA Cycling? Where do you think this event can eventually grow to beyond what you've already got started in the first two years? Well, we think there's a, a, a significant uptick to the things that we can do. Part of year two is correcting any shortcomings we might have had year one, whether it was a certain area on the course and correcting. You'll notice this year our course is exactly the same as it was the first year. One, to work out the kinks and not you know, put something net new into the equation while we work out and make sure that we really got this button down. Because the worst thing you want to do is go and add all these things, but you don't have the main core element down. The other thing, too, is we do want to add women to the opportunity where we're talking about creating multiple days of racing, both on the male side and the female side. Part of getting on the calendar you know, early, like we did, is to try to start stretching the UCI calendar, start stretching the U.S. cycling calendar so that our event has more wiggle room to add components. Because if we're competing against some of the other big races that are out there for the teams and for the riders, we want to make sure that, one, we set a standard of excellence that they understand when they come to Maryland, they're going to get world-class treatment, and we're going to treat them better than any other race they could participate in to justify why they need to come over here for a one-day race. But we also know the gateway of opportunity is if you can offer multiple days of racing, now racers from all over the globe you know, who might have to trek larger distances would justify now coming into the equation. The nice part about, you know, having a European connection, it's only about a five or six hour, depends on where they're coming from, differential. But if we're going to start looking into Asia, into the South America, into, into Africa, you're talking about larger windows of travel time that it takes to get here. So therefore, we want to make sure that before we add dates and everything like that, we create a window that we can own in a window that we can build on that will allow us to be successful both in the UCI level, but at the U.S. cycling level, and that those two organizations are committed to making the Maryland Cycling Classic the brilliant event it can be. And this year's event will be held over Labor Day weekend. And Terry, thank you very much for joining us on the Sports Travel Podcast. Hope everything goes well. Oh, we're excited. Thank you. This has been another edition of the Sports Travel Podcast. Thanks for listening and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on all your favorite platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Past episodes are also available at sportstravelmagazine.com, which features breaking news and in-depth features on stories related to the sports event industry. Be sure to visit us daily at sportstravelmagazine.com, at Sports Travel on Twitter and Instagram, and at Sports Travel Magazine on Facebook and LinkedIn. Until then, this is Matt Trout for Sports Travel, and thanks for listening.